Herb Stoughton from My House to Yours. Welcome to EMS at Sea Level. I am joined this morning by Greg Bradfield, who is the Vice President and General Manager for Aerospace and Defence Markets at Spartronics. Greg, thanks for joining me. Pleasure to, to talk to you today. Um, let's kick off with a quick introduction to you. Give me your, your background um, and kind of what led you to Spartronics. Sure. Uh, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to be here and talk with you. Um, I've been in the uh, military, aerospace, and defense industry for a little over 30 years now. Uh, started at a small uh, military-based uh, uh, semiconductor packaging plant and quickly moved through uh, some primes, including uh, some satellite manufacturers and some weapon manufacturers. Um, over time, I've, I've gravitated back towards the supply base, and uh, I had an opportunity to join a company named Innovar, which is in uh, mm -hmm. Utah uh, in the United States. And uh, you, um, Innovar was purchased by Spartronics just uh, in September of 2001, 2021, excuse me. Um, mm -hmm. I was formerly this uh, chief operating officer of Innovar and I transitioned into uh, this role at Spartronics. Okay, very good. And tell me a bit about what Spartronics a&D operation looks like and, and perhaps how, how that's changed since you arrived? Well, it's been a short time, so there hasn't been mm. a, a ton of change, but uh, Spartronics is a relatively new company. We've been around for roughly three years. We have nine locations around the world. Seven of them, of them are in the United States. Uh, about 45% of our portfolio is aerospace and defense uh, customers or products. So it's the largest piece of, of uh, Spartronics and represents the largest growth path for us, at least at this time. Uh, we're seeing growth in all of our segments, them being aerospace and defense, medical and industrial products. Uh, but I have the pleasure of leading the, the A&D side, which is uh, almost exclusively inside the United States with some mm -hmm. growth outside, but for the most part, it's, it's uh, domestic inside the US. Yeah, and I guess that's all covered by ITAR, isn't it? Uh, for the most part, there there are some exceptions, but but the majority is ITAR controlled. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So the facilities, I guess, are generally ITAR. And how's the how is the A and D market? You talk about um, there being some growth there. What are the what are the trajectories over recent times, and what, what does that look like going forwards? Well, for uh, A and D specifically, um, as as most of your viewers will will probably recognize, there's a lot of opportunity to grow the A&D footprint in the world. There's hmm. certainly a lot of demand uh, based on geopolitical concerns, and uh, we, we get a lot of interest from particularly uh, U.S. and British uh, customers for mm -hmm. our business. And um, a lot of the traditional uh, weapons or aerospace platforms uh, that we provide products into just continue to grow. They continue to be funded. They continue to be funded at higher levels, and uh, our growth uh, trajectory typically follows the U.S. Uh, Department of Defense budget. However, as we acquire new customers, we we can grow at a faster rate. Yeah, yeah. And just going back to the acquisition of Innovar, how much of Innovar's business was AMD when you were, when when they were acquired? Uh, about two thirds. Okay, so a similar a similar proportion. Yes, it was a very complimentary uh, connection between Spartronics and Innovar, very complimentary uh, customer portfolio as well as mm -hmm. uh, business mix. Yeah, and what's driving, you know, what's driving trends? We, we, 
Obviously, there's a lot of talk about supply chain security and just security, national security generally. You mentioned um, geopolitical issues. Um, are they the key things driving growth there? Is it government stimulus? Is it a way of pushing money back into the economy? What's the what, what what's the main drivers for uh, the growth in the A and D sector? I, I would I would personally not attribute the uh, growth to any kind of stimulus, mm. uh, at least the stimulus plans that have been coming out recently related to yeah. health or, or inflation related items. Yeah. Most of the growth just comes from organic uh, growth coming out of existing platforms. We do see some new platforms, uh, but those usually are in the minority when it comes to growth. By the time a new platform hits us, it's, it's many years down uh, in development and maturity. Yeah, yeah. And um, post the innovation, um, the uh, acquisition of Innovar, are there more acquisitions in the future? Is that part of the growth strategy or is it a more organic strategy within Spartronics to grow your segment? It's both. Uh, Spartronics is uh, always has been and, and will remain opportunistic. Mm -hmm. There's a good for our business. We certainly would consider that, but we're not... Uh, singularly focused on inorganic growth. Uh, most of our growth comes from organic or existing customer channels. But if there was an acquisition that made sense for us, we would certainly consider that. Uh, but we, we aren't uh, actively uh, pursuing something and we don't have a target to do an acquisition at any time frame. Yeah, no, it's, it, it, I think with acquisitions, particularly at the moment and the change in the market, it's, um, it's very important to be opportunistic rather than uh, just saying, hey, we've got to acquire something within this quarter because it's just not that simple. Um, well, with, with Spartronics, I'm sorry, with Spartronics, we did two acquisitions in 2021. So, right, Mavar uh, being one of them. So, uh, we 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 are you know eating what we what we uh, obtained and what uh, you acquired. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It takes some time, doesn't it? And you've got a new facility. You've opened some centers of excellence. Tell me a bit about the the footprint and how that's grown recently. Well, we are about to open up a very large facility in Vietnam. Okay. And that facility will uh, do both medical, industrial, and commercial aerospace work. Right. And when I referenced earlier that some is ITAR, some is not, you know, certainly the, the ITAR work will not go over there, but of course. Uh, we do have some commercial products that, that will be a very nice fit over in, in Vietnam. We're going to be opening in the fall. And we're going to add about 200,000 square feet to our existing portfolio over there in a, a brand new LEED certified building that we completely built from the ground up. And we're, we're very excited about that. And we have uh, quite a list of customers that are anxious to go over and visit a uh, brand new facility in, in Vietnam. So that's our newest uh, expansion of our footprint. Uh, we have a nice facility down in Mexico in Tecate as well that uh, doesn't do uh, A&D work, but is a relatively new uh, business for us that does uh, industrial work. And then inside the United States, uh, we have uh, seven facilities, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, Innovar, uh, Heritage Innovar, which is now Spartronics Logan, is the newest acquisition to the U.S.-based portfolio. Uh, and we, uh, it's a relatively new facility. It's roughly five years old. Uh, again, was built from the ground up. So we have a, a, a number of facilities that are brand new or uh, relatively new uh, compared to some heritage businesses. 
and uh, we, we've grown the footprint over the last couple of years pretty significantly as far as manufacturing square footage uh, mm -hmm. with the acquisitions and with the new construction. Yeah, what I'm curious about, Greg, is when I when I you know think about EMS, I normally think of, particularly in the US, I think of a relatively high mix, relatively modest volumes, lots of different customers, lots of different markets. When you're focused 70% on, on one market and this market in particular, does that change the complexion of the company? What what's the what 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 does the EMS need to look like to be appealing in this uh, in this market? And what are the customers' expectations that that maybe differ from other markets? Um well, I think our customers come to us uh, particularly with a couple specific needs. Uh, we're, we're seen as a tier three slash tier two provider in the EMS range. Mm -hmm. uh, we're not uh, competing head to head with, a, for say, a Foxconn. Mm -hmm. uh, we, don't, uh, we don't go after the business in commercial electronics, so to speak, with you know, millions of, of uh, in the volume count, millions a year mm -hmm. of a single SKU. Um, that's not our business. And our clients tend to not want that. They want to come for um, pretty high touch when it comes to the relationship. Yeah. They want um, a lot of process options. They want to be able to change process uh, by their direction or have special processing that we accommodate at a lower volume. Um, they want to make a lot of changes. We do a lot of engineering change management for our clients, mm -hmm. uh, sometimes physically on the hardware itself and sometimes uh, just in uh, the configuration. Yeah. So we provide that service and the, the processes that we use to support that in an A&D architecture, particularly with all the traceability and, and process control that they're looking for, uh, usually is applied to much smaller volumes. Yeah. And uh, that's really what we find our clients come looking for specifically because uh, some of the larger tier ones, so to speak, even though they build fantastic products and have great processes and equipment, mm. um, don't like that kind of variability. And one of yeah. the some, many times over instead of many things in small volumes. So we do yeah. pride ourselves in a, a, a high mix, low volume company, low to medium volume. We certainly uh, don't want ultra low, but um, we, we specialize there and we find that our clients really like that that personalized custom service when they come to us, uh, they can get consistency, but they get a lot of flexibility. Yeah. And you mentioned high touch and I think that's really interesting. And, you know, that's, I, I think that's an assumption um, I would make and one would make anyway, but does that extend into the uh, different areas of the product life cycle? Do you find in the A and D sector, you're more or less involved in the design side in the, um, you know, kind of aftermarket support side. Does it does it extend the vertical integration, or 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 is it? You know, are they very much? We've got processes for this design. We do it our way. Um, take our design. Don't mess with it, and um, and get it done. No, actually, it's it's throughout the life cycle. We find that most clients come to us with a design, and okay. they're not. For the most part, they're not looking for us to redesign their product, but what they're mm -hmm. looking for is a design for manufacturing approach and expertise to make their, their designs more producible or to yield higher. Um, either design for test or design for producibility or design for manufacturing. We get asked for those services pretty regularly. Mm -hmm. Then, of course, the middle part, which is most of our business, where we actually go 
go build it. And then we do have a fair amount of aftermarket repair or depot or, or aftermarket support work, obsolescence management. A lot of these things that come in after the product is maybe sunsetting or has already been delivered to their clients. We have a number of our clients that you know, they, they operate a depot out of our locations and their customers just return the product to us. We either upgrade or repair or test, recertify and ship it straight back. And mm. our, our clients just, uh, you know, process an invoice. So yeah. uh, we'll provide those services as well. So it's, it's all three segments of that value stream. Mm. And uh, we're happy to do, to, to do all three. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I think having those integrated in one, um, in one vendor gives the maximum amount of value to the customer. I want to talk about some of the challenges and disruptions that have been going on in the uh, sure. electronic industry and how they're impacting this segment and their imp- how they're impacting you. Um, before I ask you what you think the challenges are, the the kind of, um, I guess, largest one impacting most people is component shortages. Um, one would think, at least at a government level, but maybe not a, at a manufacturing level, there is some influence on getting um, capacity into the defense sector. Um, my anecdotal evidence is that component shortages have eased a little generally, have eased a little bit more perhaps in the automotive sector. How do they look in the A&D sector? I think what you described is is pretty accurate. I, I think that we're sensing a little bit of ease or a little bit of um, uh, relief. Uh, mm. I, I don't think it's over yet. And no. I, I think we've got a little bit more time to go. Our, our observation is, you know, that some of the larger consumers of components uh, are, are getting a little bit more relief than perhaps a smaller company like ours. You know, if you're a, a automobile manufacturer, I think, I think there's, there's plenty of leverage there compared to mm-hmm. many, most companies. Um, and let's, let's remember, you know, the, the, the industry between the differences between A&D products and, and automotive products when it comes to the reliability and the quality of those components that we all order, the gap between those has really narrowed over the de- past couple mm. of decades. So uh, a lot of times uh, uh, we, we hear clients come in from uh, defense or commercial aerospace and, and they're happy with, a, with an automotive level part. So it's really quite reliable uh, and, and it's proven out. So sometimes we are competing for the same part from the same factory. Yeah larger you know, consumers. Um, but we are seeing some relief. And in some cases, you know, we get surprised every day with another breakthrough. And it's, it's very nice. You know, and we also get so, still get some negative surprises of some pushouts yeah. here and there. But it seems to have tipped a little bit more where you know, a year ago it was all, everything's being pushed out. Now it's yeah. a little bit more of a blend. So we're hopeful yeah. that it's, it's coming to an end soon. So, Greg, less not less people knocking on your door with that as their as their main problem than perhaps a, a couple of months ago. Um, may, maybe our our customers are still quite uh, impatient for delivery, yeah. and and we we understand and respect that, and we we'd like all of our uh, our raw materials sooner as well. So we still have some challenges, but for the most part, it's it's getting better. Yeah, and the shortage everybody talks about following component shortages is a is a talent shortage, a labor shortage. How's how's that impacting you, particularly in the U.S., but also I guess in you know in Mexico and Vietnam? How what's the um, recruitment and retention like there? 
Um, it, it is a challenge. It has been for the last couple of years, but that's another area where we're, we are experiencing uh, a, a turn. Uh, uh, it's feeling better. We're, we're getting more applicants for jobs, more good qualified applicants for jobs across our whole uh, portfolio. Um, we, we still see a shortage of talent today. There's a lot of, you know, everybody who's uh, a stellar employee has lots of options. Mm. And uh, we, have, we have great employees at Spartronics. Uh, we, we'd love some more. Um, and we have openings just like everybody else. Um, I, I think there's still a, um, it's a job hoppers market, so to speak, in yeah. some of our locations. Um, and, uh, but it's, it seems to be loosening up a little bit. We're having more luck lately and we're, we're getting encouraged by the, the volume of applicants we're seeing and the, the uh, uh, loyalty of our employees. We're not seeing as much turnover as we were when the market was very hot. You know, a year ago, we saw lots of people being opportunistic and that's really died down quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's, yeah, I think, uh, you know, a bit of nervousness in the general economy normally slows down a bit of a bit of job hopping and and makes yes. people, um, I guess, look for look for a bit more security. What about in those other locations? How are things in Mexico? Mexico has always been a, a pretty uh, interesting market for labor. Um, we've never really had a challenge getting mm. people and applicants, but in Mexico, there, there has, at least our experience has been, there has a little bit more higher than uh, uh, turnover than we experience in most of our yeah. uh, A&D locations. Um, it's, it hasn't been a, a problem, mm. but uh, we've just learned to manage it. And that's been pretty steady state. It hasn't really yeah. changed much. Um, yeah. We've been pretty happy with the the folks that uh, we have as applicants and employees down in, in Mexico. Some very hardworking people, very smart folks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have a very good team down there, and and uh, usually when we have openings, we have we have lots of options. Yeah, and you will have researched it when you um, when you moved into uh, Vietnam. But my sense is there's there's a there's a high level of graduate talent. Um, available there and um you know a, a good number of uh, a good amount of operator talent as well yeah i agree all up and down the spectrum of of talent in vietnam is is very strong we have a an outstanding uh vice president and general manager in vietnam that is very well connected mm -hmm. out there politically and in the, in the workforce and and he and his team do an outstanding job keeping that plant uh, running at full speed and and uh, he's he's really effective at working with the local uh, politi political offices as well as employment agencies, and, and he really has a good process out there. Yeah. So shortages of components, shortages of talent. What other challenges are you seeing in the sector at the moment? Well, those are certainly two big ones. Uh, you know, uh, th those are really what we have been working on these last couple of years. Uh, the 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 health. Uh, crisis that it feels like we're coming out of a little bit with COVID mm. seems to have died down. So the safety of our employees is really, uh, all, although it's always our number one focus, um, really seems to have, have subsided just a little bit. Uh, we still are, are watchful to make sure mm. that our employees are safe, but um, we're, we're cautiously optimistic that that's, you know, kind of leveled out. So that was probably the third big one that we, we were managing these last few years. Mm. Um, you know, as far as capex and and talent and ba backlog and and opportunities to grow and people and all that, 
uh, it feels like we're getting back to a, a little bit of a normal rhythm in industry. Um, we could always use a few more parts, but uh, yeah, uh, for now we're we're getting back to focusing on growth and improving our processes and continuing yeah. improving our. Yeah, I think post post the um, I guess post the 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 height of the pandemic, I think a lot of the switch has moved from employee health to employee well being, and we're just you know thinking hard about the 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 burnout and the um, you know the potential stress and anxiety people have been through, and and that needs to be a big part of the of the way you manage your team, but also that becomes part of recruitment and retention. You know, people. Sure you need people to want to work for Spartronics and knowing that that's taken care of becomes really important. Well, I think now the environment is shifting from playing defense to playing offense, mm. you know, and, and manageable growth. Uh, so it doesn't get into, you know, unmanageable growth is, is the key. And I think that's where I, I think we see industry starting to shift. There's a tremendous amount of interest uh, from the A and D market, as well as our medical market is quite a bit, of interest in, in growth and new customers coming and, and wanting to bring new work. Mm. So it, it's a new set of challenges as far as, you know, instead of playing defense, going on offense. Yeah. So we're, we're seeing that starting to pick up. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree there. And I think there's a change in the complexion. And I think it's for uh, OEM, they're starting to think much more about the cultural fit and what kind of a, a brand of EMS they want to be working with. Um, and I think, you know, that needs to be reflected in the way uh, EMS companies behave, but also how they promote themselves. You know, we've got a, a new generation of consumers that are perhaps a little bit more um, stakeholder rather than stockholder aware, um, care a bit more about the environment, um, about the compliance and all those kind of things. And we have to take those into account. Um, last thing I just wanted to touch on was... Um, kind of shifts in technology you're in a you're in a market where your end user technology is is obviously moving moving reasonably quickly but also your manufacturing technology continues to move speak a little bit to where we are in terms of um in terms of technology both from a um a product and a manufacturing point of view so uh the the product perspective, um, we still have plenty of clients that are building heritage technology. Mm. Um, so it's not all, you know, the, the latest version of an iPhone kind of, of cutting yeah. edge, but we are seeing at least AMD, you know, new designs and new programs coming forward with new technology that, that is pushing the envelope a little bit on the manufacturing technology. Yeah. Um, but that's where we find, you know, working with clients right up front, uh, particularly on the design for manufacturing or design for producibility or yield perspective really helps because they will, you know, design something that, you know, perhaps the existing SMT line can't, can't accommodate or there's pitches that are, that are too close. Or so we, we work a lot with our clients up front to enable their designs in a producible way. So, hmm. um, and a lot of the platform manufacturers are constantly having a new generation of, of equipment and that's exciting to keep up with. Um, and as we see those opportunities, we continue to invest in the next generation of yeah. technology factories. So you you kind of have to, you know, respect the past and and accommodate that, you know. And sometimes the past is only five years old, while embracing the new tech that's coming. 
Yeah. And uh, it, it is a balance. And uh, yeah. but we find that uh, mo most of our clients, uh, when they find something that works, particularly in AMD, they stick with it. Yeah. So uh, they don't like to change the design. So no. No, I absolutely agree. It's interesting what you're saying, because I think, you know, if Apple was in the A&D sector, they'd still be supporting the iPod with the click wheel. And, um, you know, you'd still be having to figure that out. So, you you know, you've got state of the art at one end where you're really on the, the bleeding edge and you've got to work closely with your uh, with your vendors and your equipment suppliers to make sure you can accommodate that. And you've also got to make sure that you've you've still got the equipment for all the um or legacy or heritage products to, uh, um, you know, to make to make sure that they're, they're supported in the market. So it's a it's a it's a challenging and and exciting mix. It is. Uh, we we still get plenty of requests for uh, through whole boards. So yeah, of uh, course. You know, sometimes those things just don't die because they work well. Well, so, absolutely. It's always. I think it's always the case, and it's. Um, I think. Um, it's this it's this peak of hype that everybody thinks uh, a new technology is going to entirely eradicate the technology it's it's improved upon and um and often it takes a chunk of it but there's always uh, there's always a bit that remains where stuff just works well doesn't it sometimes always a place for something that just works right? yeah it's the way greg it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you continued success thank you so much for your time and um, yeah let's talk again soon thank you Please, I look forward to it. Thank you so much.